If you don't have a Bible text that you can understand, you don't have a Bible. Hello and welcome to this action podcast from Bible League International. I'm your host, Michael Woolworth. For more than 80 years, Bible League International's mission has been to serve the under-resourced church with Bibles and training to transform lives worldwide through God's Word. More on that uh, audio cut you heard in just a moment, but our action podcasts feature powerful stories of God's work around the world, taking you to the front lines of our global ministry and allowing you to see how your gifts and prayers help us realize our mission every day. At the end of this action podcast, we'll share how you can partner with the exciting ministry of Bible League International. God did not intend for His Word to be difficult, but the good news is hard to understand for many of the people we serve at Bible League International. They're among the poorest and least educated in the world, often living in remote villages and underdeveloped urban centers. Many have never known or even heard of Jesus Christ. These are the people who need the hope of the gospel, who need to understand God's love for them so that they can believe. That's why Bible League International's easy-to-read Bible translations written in everyday language are so important. Making the Bible accessible. That's our focus on today's Action Podcast. Gentlemen, it's good to be here in Bible League's Translation Services office in beautiful and, may I say, hot Hearst, Texas, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, Did I say it's hot? (laughs) I'm joined by my colleagues, Brian McLemore, Alex Oliveris, and Yancey Smith. Guys, tell us what you do in each of your roles. Brian, you first. My title is Vice President of Translation Services, and I am responsible for the easy-to-read Bible translations that we produce, and I am also oversee all the translations that we do for all the materials that go with the Bibles. Very good. Thanks, Brian. Um, Alex, what are you doing in your role? Translating the Bible into different languages from the originals, and also I help translating uh, material uh, related to the Bible so many countries can have access to studies or applications, lessons about or related to the Bible. Thank you, Alex. And Dr. Yancey Smith. I am the Senior Director of Translation Services. I'm also a uh, translation consultant like Alex. So I work with a team of other translation consultants. So I work with them and, and help them on, on their major prob- tasks and problems, and uh, uh, not the least of which is getting training as they work. Uh, so like Alex, completing his PhD, and we all give him input and help and encouragement along the way. We uh, work primarily on text, and uh, we work to make sure that the translations that we produce are accurate and they are easy to read and they're accessible. So we're involved mm. in a lot of editing and suggestion and mm. back and forth with the translation team. Let me, let me say something about Dr. Smith that makes him really unique. Not only does he have a Ph.D. in uh, uh, biblical studies, but he has a long time background in church planting himself in Argentina, along with the same amount of time as a pastor in a church. So what Yancey can bring to the table is expertise in the biblical text, but he can relate very well to the people we reach out to in training, because he is one of those been there, done that, and it 
it makes a, a great a balance to our work. Alex has also worked in uh, a teaching in uh, Honduras and has background in church work. So that adds to the ability for us to relate. One of the things we always tell people, get in your mind's idea a picture of who you want to translate to and always put them first. That's why uh, Yancey always says our, our translations are audience-oriented in the sense that we are committed that our audiences understand the original meaning of scriptures in a language that they speak in at a, at a reading level that they understand so they can uh, come to know God as, as we've all been blessed to do. So uh, what that means is that a lot of times we talk about faithfulness in translation. What faithfulness means is that the audience understands the text, meaning from the translation, and they understand about the same thing that the original writer in another language in another culture would, would mean. And so faithfulness is determined not by me or not by a bunch of scholars out there, but by what the audience is able to understand. Yeah, thanks for that insight, uh, Yancey. I know we'll hear more about that as we go along. Well, you all sound equipped for the task, and I really admire all that you bring uh, to your roles. Uh, Brian is uh, the vice president of uh, Translation Services. What is Bible League trying to accomplish through its translation work? So I think about as a wagon wheel. So in the center of that wheel is an easy-to-read translation that we produced with first language speakers around the world. So we serve them by offering our expertise and Bible backgrounds in the original languages in translation studies, principles and practice of translation. So that Bible is sits in the middle of this wheel and it's made for the common person to be able to read on any day without barriers. And so around that wheel are the various pieces of materials that we make that form not a straight line journey, but a wheel. So somebody starts out, they've never read the Bible, we start them with Jesus. You always start with the living word. You're, we're working on the written word to point people to the living word. Hmm. So we have a study or an opportunity to engage with a friend and study maybe the Gospel of John or to answer the question, who is God? So that's the first part of this journey. And then as they grow and come to faith, then we invite them to say, now that you know who Jesus is, come know how to live with him in his community, the church. And so that's kind of what we call traditionally the discipleship. But it's all about forming a person spiritually. Mm-hmm. So they have a Bible they can understand that they use in these studies. And as they grow, we say, now you need to be active in God's community. Someone shared Jesus to you. We want to train you to share Jesus with your friends and family and others. Mm-hmm. And so they enter this training and it becomes a cycle. And some in that wheel come to a place called church planner training. And the church and the partners we work with say, God has gifted you in evangelism. You are such a great small group leader. Mm-hmm. You have the capacity to get more uh, education and learn what it means to a pastor. Do you want to come learn to plant a church? So what happens is we just repeat this wheel over and over. But at the center of that wheel is what I oversee these easy-to-read translations. Okay, so we're definitely engaged in translation work on behalf of new believers and those growing in their faith. But uh, we're also focused on people who haven't come to saving faith yet. Is that true? We we do translation for people who don't have access to the Bible, can't read it, can't understand it. The Bible they have, they don't understand. And for people who are uh, speakers of, of a language 
that aren't Christians. And we want to have a text that helps them bridge the gap so that they can become believers in Jesus Christ. Okay, gotcha. So what's all the fuss about having a good translation of the Bible as you read and you study God's Word? Why is that so important? First of all, you have to determine by what you mean by good. And I think Yancey started that conversation. But yeah. here's here's the thing for us. We know that there are minority language groups around the world that have never had Scripture. But if you're going to mention the largest unreached people group in the world, who would guess it's the Turkish people? Hmm. 70 million plus. So what that means is... If you don't have a Bible text that you can understand, you don't have a Bible. So I could take a traditional English version that is known and loved by my 88-year-old mother, but would not be understood by my 30-year-old son. So basically, he doesn't have a Bible. Because he doesn't have a Bible, he can understand. And that's modified around the world. So I always tell people, yes, there may be a translation in this language, but it is a a translation that can be understood by someone without a rich history in church life or at a vocabulary level that a fourth grader Mm -hmm. can understand. The other thing is, everything today is about accessibility. The question is not what is the Bible, the 66 books, or depending on your tradition. The question is what is Bible? Because Bible, because of the digital world, the audio world, comes to us in many forms and shapes. So if you're going to reach people today, you can't borrow a printed Bible, box it up, and send it around the world. What about those audiences that, that don't read and they need an audio translation in a language they can understand? What about putting scriptures into these pieces of curriculum to help people understand? You need a scripture they can understand. Do you need you need to have a text that's accessible in any formats, anywhere? So we produce a translation where we don't jump any hoops of permissions or copyrights, but we get this accurate, easy to understand text around the world. And because Bible League is dedicated to engaging people with Scripture and in training. Having a Bible that fits that curriculum is very, very important. I don't put quotes in a third grade children's book from the ESV. No problem with the ESV as a translation, but that's not going to be understood by a child anymore. And that's the same way around the world. Well, it's a very thoughtful point to make, uh, Brian. Um, Alex, I know you want to add something. Yes, and Brian were saying why we would want to have another translation, and we have this connection with the space, uh, with geography, so uh, we have cultures in one space, and we have another culture with a different way to express things, different language that is being used. But at the same time, you have uh, a temporal line. So uh, sometimes when you uh, see the past and you are aware of new discoveries, that can change the way you read or the way you would express your thoughts in the text. And at the same time, sometimes you have an encounter or you have uh, new insights in the present. And that can also change the way you read the text. You read, uh, you go to the past, and then you realize, well, I was reading this way, but now with this cultural insight, I'm reading in another way. So those things, I think they play uh, together when you are trying to produce a new, a new translation. So you always will need to have new translations. Yeah, I see your point, Alex. Uh, I think you're saying as countries develop and cultures evolve and become more contemporary, Uh, There's the potential need for updated translations. Again, very good point. 
So choosing a translation, uh, it's not easy uh, in some cases. Some would say it's like staring down the cereal aisle at the uh, grocery store. So much to choose from. How do I choose? My first question always is, who is the person you want to get this Bible? Mm. Well, I, I, it's like your mom, Brian. I said, well, uh, you know, what, what translation she grew up in? Well, my mom grew up with the American Standard Version. I said, get her a really nice large print. She'll enjoy that. Well, I've got a, a daughter who's in the third grade. Get her an easy-to-read translation. I've got a, a, a hipster son. Well, maybe you try the message or the new living or the voice. Mm. So it's always about the audience. One, two things I always tell people. Number one, we are not the only translation, and we make no pretentious arguments to be that. What we do contend is we're trying to do a, a translation that best fits the, the, the seeking, the non-believer, somebody who's interested in who is this Jesus. That's our audience. Yeah. So that's how we do our translations. But we tell people all the time, of course in your study and your devotional life, you should read more than one translation. I can't, I'm the style editor for the ERV. Do you not think I'm, I'm looking at 10 or 20 translations in English, Spanish, sometimes French, sometimes Portuguese. The other thing is we don't compete with other translations because as Alex said, there is space for all different audiences. I've told pastors, I would never try to take the Bible that you've used in the life of your church out of your hands. But here's what I want you to do. Think about taking this easy-to-read translation to your neighbor who's an alcoholic. Why don't you give him a text where he can get some insight to who Jesus is and how he can bring healing to him in his life in a language he can understand? If people start with an ERV and graduate in the pantheon of Bible translation, man, I don't care. We, we don't compete, and we're not the only translation. What we're trying to do is fit a very large niche of people who don't have a Bible they can understand. You mentioned the ERV, Bible League's easy-to-read version of the Bible. Um, these are available, I think you've produced these in 35 languages, either Old Testament, New Testament, or full Bibles in Russian and Vietnamese, many other languages, currently working on, I believe, uh, 10 other languages. If you look at literacy rates, both uh, ability just to read and ability to understand the Bible even in our own country, you know that's dropping all the time. One of our favorite audiences in the States is the Buy the Hand Club in Chicago. Mm-hmm. reaching yes. under underprivileged kids on the south side. They love the ERV because it speaks in a language these kids can read and understand the Bible. That's an audience for us. But I would not go to my mom's reading club and always promote the ERV to them. But I'll tell you another story. There's lots of different audiences. My dad has been in the church. He's in his 80s. He's taught Romans for 20 years. He got an ERV Romans and said, this is the first time I think I've really understood some essential parts of Paul's message. That doesn't mean he stopped reading uh, his traditional text, but it was a supplement even for him. So anybody can find a way to use the ERV. We just don't ever demand that everybody use an ERV. Yeah. That, 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 that's just silly. We love all Bible translations. We appreciate everyone who has walked before us, who walks with us, and will come after us doing Bible translation. <laughs> yeah, thinking about the work of translation, I guess I'll direct this question to Yancey. You know, it's interesting that the Gospel writers, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, in a very real sense, were translators, weren't they? The first translation that we have as uh, Christians is the Gospels themselves. Because Jesus didn't speak Greek, he spoke Aramaic and Hebrew. And so the Gospels themselves are translations of Jesus' words into Greek, into the language of the broader language of communication in the ancient Mediterranean world was Greek. And Hebrew and Aramaic were off in one corner. 
And so in order to get that message of Jesus to other people, the gospel writers had to translate. And they translated Jesus' words in different ways. So when you compare Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus said something in a con- in a certain context. In another gospel, it's expressed a little bit differently in Greek mm-hmm. and a little bit differently mm-hmm. in another one. So you have, for example, Matthew usually translates Jesus in very literal ways. In Mark and John and Luke translate uh, Jesus a little bit differently. And Luke and John are more uh, easy to read. So you have within the very Gospels themselves translations of Jesus' very words. And they translate in various ways with various styles to meet the needs of various audience. Hmm. So there's not one way that is underwritten by God alone. For translation. Brian, you're uh, chuckling at Yancey's comments, but uh, I know those words of wisdom will bring clarity and perhaps even comfort to those who've heard there's only one way to translate and that there's only one translation of the Bible uh, to use. Very wise words, uh, Yancey. Guys, I'm mindful of the time uh, at this point, and um, I know that we try to keep these podcasts to a modest length, and uh, you're saying some very helpful things about translation, about the ERV, uh, but we've got so much good content to cover yet, so I definitely want to make two podcasts out of all that I need to ask you three. I mean, I want to hear more about uh, the amount of time needed for a translation, all of the field testing that needs to happen, uh, some of the feedback you get in the course of your work, and Alex, I know you've been instrumental in the Portuguese language ERV in Brazil, so I want to definitely keep our recorder going, come back with a second uh, podcast. Um, as we wrap up today, though, uh, Brian, it's obvious you've got a very talented team here in the U.S. and around the world that contributes to translation services. Um, give us an example of how your team has pooled its resources in the realm of Bible translation and something beautiful, something God-honoring came from it. So there's a Greek word, charis, grace. And we wanted to have a different expression in Spanish for that. And so Yancey talked about the rich meaning of this word in English, grace. It just, as Yancey said, it doesn't get it all. It's just, mm. a, it's just a part of it. So we tried different words. We looked at it, translations. We talked days and days about it. So we stopped and said, we shall go home and pray. The Spirit will show us what word to pick. So, you know, I'm just taking notes. I'm the scribe. I'm the, hey, the next task on the project is. Because the joke is... Brian's our field test in Spanish because if he can understand it, anybody can. So I go home that night, and I just start thinking. And I remember Yancey talking about the Old Testament counterpart for grace, chesed. And Yancey begins talking about this as a faithful, loyal type of love and how that God has always been a God of this grace, this faithful loyalty. And in pops in my head, in Spanish, generous love, generoso amor. So in the Old Testament, we have faithful love. In the New Testament, we have generous love. I just walked in the next day. I said, you know, my Spanish, it's not that great. I'm not the scholar, but I just got, I trust you guys. And I think the Spirit spoke to me. And you will discern if that word is a good one or just a dream I had. And we put that word in there. <laughs> So it goes to publication, and sweat is coming down. Yancey, calm, trusting more in the Spirit. Brian is going, there's going to be a long line of pastors exclaiming, you cannot take gracia out of our Bible. You cannot remove grace. I have never received one negative comment 
about generoso amor, generous love as the expression for grace in our Bible. Mm. That's what God does in Bible translation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ah, love it, Brian. Hey, you've heard from Alex Oliveris, Dr. Yancey Smith, and the guy just talking about generous love, Brian McLemore, my colleagues in Bible League's Translation Services office in Hearst, Texas. As I mentioned, we still have so much content to cover, important content, and we'll capture it all in a second podcast, we promise. Will you stay involved with Bible League International by praying for and supporting this ministry with your financial gift? By God's grace and through your partnership, we'll continue serving the under-resourced church with Bibles and training to transform lives worldwide through God's Word. Visit BibleLeague.org to learn more about where we serve and to sign up for our e-news and verse of the day. That's BibleLeague.org. And follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Again, thanks for tuning in today. I'm Michael Woolworth for the Action Podcast.